And uh, we're right, right now we're uh, just in a little bit of a planning session for uh, Dan Duran's arrival here in Mexico. Another thing I was thinking I was going to do, and, and I wanted to ask Fred, because you and Darren, our friend Darren, yee, 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 Darren, you guys have golfed with Dan, right? In, yes. in recent times? Yes. Because I remember, Dan, you and I, I, we've gone on a golf course together in our long, rich uh, history of friendship, haven't, haven't we? Yeah, the last time we golfed was uh, in somewhere in uh, Florida, and uh, I followed you around a little bit, but one, we did do one nine-hole kind of experience at yeah. the end of a long golf day for you, and uh, we didn't really keep track of the score, and it was, uh, it was a Oh, that's experience. right. Well, you came down on one of the clubbing trips with me. Yeah. The same one that the Fredman uh, came on uh, a couple. Well, you came on with you came with me once, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I have uh, golfed with Dan in recent history, <clears throat> and Dan is one of those examples of someone. If he golfed a lot, put time into it, would be good. Yeah. He has a lovely stroke. He has lots of power. Um, when he hits it right, it just goes up and away like something I've never ever done myself. Well, Darren can tell you. My buddy Doug is like that, too. If he put some time into it, he'd be good. He's just got a good natural swing. Well, that's one of the things I'm going to do with uh, the Dan Man, I think. We're, we're, well, there's a nine-hole uh, par three course that is, is really, really good, Dan. I think you'd really enjoy it. And we'll go and do that. All right. And, and, and again, so, you know, I wanted to bring something up the other day that I went through because, you know, people will often say, oh, you don't want to golf with me, you know, because I'm terrible. But I'm like, that's not true. I would golf with anybody. Yesterday, I played with my brother and his uh, girlfriend, and they're both excellent. And David's very good, and she's really good. But the day before I played, I just got joined up with somebody. And I played with this guy, and he was a really nice man, about 60 years old, big, strong dude from Bracebridge, great guy, and it was just the two of us. <laughs> and, uh, and he shot, conservatively, Fred, he shot 130. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> easily in the 120s and 130s. On, I, I wasn't keeping score, but like on one... A couple of holes back to back, he made 14 on each hole. So right. just averaged it over 18 holes. But the, and I felt bad for him because it was a struggle. And he lost. Yeah, but did he, did he feel bad? You know, he or was, he he was pretty. Time? He had a pretty good time because he was stoned most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make your game great. <laughs> he did. He was just smoking this yeah. joint all day long, having a great time. But here's where I felt bad for him because he ran out of golf. He must have lost. And I'm not exaggerating. 40 golf balls. Yeah. Wow. wow. And it sounds like an exaggeration, except then this isn't the course we're going to play, Dan. But this course, it's just fairway, a little bit of rough, and jungle. It's very, very, it's very hard because if you, there's, there's no finding the golf ball if it leaves the fairway. And the poor guy, it got to the point where on 17, he lost his last ball <laughs> to this water. And I said, no, no, it's okay, buddy. Here, I've got, I've got plenty for you. You can... Uh, you can finish the round with these. But man, this is just to, all by way of saying I would be happy to play uh, with anybody, including the dude that lost 40 golf balls. How old was this guy, did you say? He was our, our age, like 60, 59, oh, okay. 60. Big, strong dude, what, too. So, was, it, was it irritating for you? Not in the least. Okay. I felt bad for him. I mean, I was, 
you know, at one point he asked me, well, what is Because I was hitting like I normally do. And he said, what are you doing that causes that? <laughs> he said that to me. He says, what are you, are you turning the club face? And meanwhile, he's like literally roasting golf balls <laughs> into the jungle. And he said to me, what are you doing that's making it do that? I said, I, said, I don't know, man. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of... Yeah. A lot of time, <laughs> just. But yeah, when he got to golf ball forty, he was done. <laughs> That's expensive in Mexico, isn't it? Didn't yes, you say that is. golf balls are really expensive? Yeah, and he had gone to the pro shop and bought a, a bunch of balls before he teed off, and so not only was he rifling balls into the jungle, but he kept going back to his bag, and you could see him opening the box of balls. <laughs> it was just like oh. cha ching, cha ching. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Although it was that golf course in, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the uh, Hard Rock that I played. Yeah, Playa Car was on a hole, and I heard a guy go, "Senor, Senor," and I look and he's hiding in the woods. Yeah, and I went over and I said, "Yeah," and he handed me. Well, he showed me a bag of about thirty balls that he had collected and I bought it for I forget how many pesos not much no not what that guy paid in the clubhouse that's for sure no for sure well I, I've hooked up did I not tell you guys I, I last time I was here I was on the driving range and I look over and there's a dude because the driving range golf balls are yellow and there's a dude hitting white golf balls and I sort of walked over and I said because it was just the two of us and I go yeah. am I are you hitting your own golf balls he goes yeah I said, really? Why? He goes, it turns out he lives around that area. And every afternoon he just walks around the course and collects golf balls. And he's got like thousands of them. And his name is Doug. I call him Golf Ball Doug. So he says, yeah, he's from Newfoundland. He just has so many. He can can afford just to rifle his own on the driving range. Anyway, now he's my golf ball hookup. So when I want to buy golf balls down here, I just call Doug. And he comes over and for 200 pesos, I get like 25 of them. Well, even San Miguel, I bought, excuse me, an egg carton. So 12. Yeah. Something for I forget how many pesos it was the equivalent of maybe three Canadian for a dozen golf balls in an egg carton, and they were in good shape. No, exactly. Anyways, Dan, um, I just want you to know planning is underway for the Dan Duran visit each day, and we're getting closer to an itinerary, and uh, we're all very excited down here. My brother wow. David, who has such fond, he wow. was telling he was telling Ruth today about or yesterday about uh, about what a good man you are and how much fun will be. And don't worry, Dan, I've, I've, I've ascertained some of your illicit material for you down here as well. So, Yeah, and Dan, uh, Dan is a big, big uh, tequila drinker, so you're going to be in ecstasy, Dan. Yeah, I love the tequila. Well, that's going to be, it's going to be a great trip. Can't yeah, wait. I just can't wait for Dan to get all stoned and then drink a tequila wanting to fight me. Oh, come on, Howie. <laughs> I can just see it. <laughs> you want to, you trying to beat me with his dick. Um, all right. We got to, speaking of which, we've got a lot of cocky nonsense today. This episode of Humble and Fred is being brought to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Porto Aventuras, Mexico, from our well-equipped Dominican Republic facility with Muskoka chairs on a sandy oceanfront beach, and from Lisa's dining room table next to Sticks in a Vase, and is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and Lender's Choice Mortgages. And now, here are two men who can't help but wonder if the salt in the seaside air is affecting their blood pressure 
or if it's just American politics, it's Humble and Fred. Uh, welcome, everybody. Our guest today, very interesting. Yeah, I said interesting. William Moore from Fallow Phil. I think it's fallowphil.com. Well, whatever. It's a, it's a company called Fallow Phil. P H A L L O Phil, F I L L, not Phil as in our former uh, producer. Fallow Phil is a, uh, a cosmetic surgery for your wang. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's almost like a Botoxy thing, isn't it? I, I, I think so. I'm not 100 percent sure. But William uh, will be with us. William Moore, our guest today, which answering a lot of questions. A lot of guys have wondered, you know, is there any way to make this thing look bigger? And apparently there is. And, and you know, over the years, cosmetically, there's been all sorts of horror stories where men have been disfigured in an effort to increase their size yes. and girth and. And Fallow Phil says those days are over. Well, cosmetic surgery. Look how many uh, faces it's fucked up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you start dealing with your wang. Who knows what could go wrong? You wouldn't think a lot. It's just like a tube of flesh. It's like sometimes a throbbing tube of flesh, sometimes just a <laughs> tube of flesh. Um, so what could possibly not as often go as wrong? Not as often. It doesn't throb as often as it once did. There's a lot less. Right. It's, by the way, this, uh, this is called, as a surgeon, I should let you know, it's called penile girth enhancement. PGE. Remember, remember when we were real young, the only pornography was the written word. Like mm. you never got to see a, rarely got to see like a snarch or anything in a magazine, maybe some boobs in a Playboy. And a couple of times I found like novels on my mom and that was often. Then he removed his throbbing tube of flesh and pushed it against her womanhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you guys are a little older than me. I don't think I've ever read Victorian-aged pornography, but I get what you're saying. I thought <laughs> I, <am>. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. I did have. you remember a time the only pornography was the bra section of the Sears catalog? I do Sears remember that. Catalog, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. I do Andre. remember that. Uh, anyway, we're going to try oh. and take a typical humble and Fred, intelligent, informative. Mm-hmm. We'll try and, you know, get it. Because here's the thing I was thinking. We do nothing but immature, cocky humor here. Almost on the daily. Right. Why don't we zag and, and try and get through the interview as, uh, you know, maturely as, as possible? Because it is, I'm sure a lot of men listening would be fascinated by the ability to fill in some of the blanks that they have. I mean, there's a lot of questions. Because from what I've been reading here, I'm not sure if it can only improve girth can it can it also do something to length because i don't know is that possible oh geez i don't know about that and has he done it to himself is it one of these things that uh, i don't know about that have you done it to yourself well no well then why would i do it one of those things i don't know if we go there and ask him i think that'd be i think that's a legitimate question that's legitimate Mm -hmm. and but but it's also legitimate not everyone not every plastic surgeon uh, not every doesn't necessarily does it to themselves. Maybe he, maybe yeah, the, like, no, maybe I the know. founder of Fallow Phil doesn't need any filling in his fallow. 
but to do plastic surgery to yourself facially or whatever would be difficult. But just to bend over and drive something into your wang is no big deal. Oh, yeah. It's no big deal, yeah. Why don't you bend over and drive something into your wang right now? So is that, yeah, I don't, is that like... I don't think it's as simple as like one of those uh, uh, caulking sticks, although that's probably what they call it. Yeah, it's not like an open heart surgeon. Have you done? Have you operated on yourself with your own heart or a hip surgeon? Right. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah, but I don't think that's the litmus yeah. test or whatever of whether this guy is representing a uh, a, re- a breakthrough in PGE surgery. But <laughs> but yes, we should ask him. Have you thought of done? Have you had this procedure on yourself? And what is the procedure? Yeah, I, I I only I just hope that he's got a little bit of a sense of humor. You know what I mean? That's all. Well, that, according that to this, uh, I'm looking at the information here, and it looks like, from what it looks like, you know, the background, the stuff that we've been given, it looks like they have a this guy has a bit of a sense of humor because he says our our because it says here our founder. William Moore can be an in-studio for a funny yet educational interview. So there you go. Oh, okay. Right. So the guy's a comic. Great. Super. That's what we need. Well, what do you want? You just a second ago, you said, I hope he has a sense of humor. I just said he's he's funny. So he's comic. Oh, I thought you you were like, oh, great. Now we've got Mr. Funny Dick joke. Uh, Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood. (laughs) I thought you were like, oh, great. He's a comedian. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, anyway, Dan, uh, we will, uh, we'll do the research. Obviously, uh, maybe we would, you know, I mean, I don't know. Do they get, there's, is there, are there donors? Like you donate blood? Like you don't, are there people with, uh, you know, Dan Duran? Like, uh, do they donate some kind of, what, I don't even know what the solution they throw in there. But we'll find I'll out. be listening. Well, mm-hmm. we'll, um, do the, we'll do our due diligence for you, Dan. On your behalf, we'll ask Dan if there's a procedure for reducing. Yeah, reduction. Because I I know it it can become bothersome. I've had several women in my family have breast reduction, and it changed their lives. No longer do they have to carry these big boulders around. Really, it was life-changing. Maybe for you, too. Just imagine getting up in the morning and not having to struggle (laughs) to put it into your other arm. Well, I mean, you know, you've had a breast reduction, for God's sake. You can can speak to this. I mean, come on. I said several women in my family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe there is. Maybe there's a Dan. Maybe it could be. Maybe Dan's tired of just lugging it around day after day. Enough already, Dan says. Yes. So what's uh, what's else is on your list there, Howard, uh, for chatting with uh, us about? Is, is that the end? Is, um, I mean, Dan's yeah. like, well, well, Dan, I do have a story. Let's move on. Moving okay. along. No, yeah. You know what, Fred? Fred, fair point. And Dan, that's why I have this story about a, um, a man that came into uh, our uh, country on the U.S.-Canada border uh, with a python in his pants. <laughs> It's oh. good moving on skills there. See? Yes, okay. It's not all just one. We we have where we have so many different sides to our dick jokes. Uh, yeah, no prison for a man caught with three, not one, Dan, not two, but three pythons in his pants at the U.S. Canada border. How would he get caught? Well, see, if it were you, they'd be like, this seems things to be something suspicious. Uh, right. I don't know. I see. I don't have the whole. It's from the Daily Hive, Toronto. I don't actually have the whole story here. I just have the uh, headline. Oh, here it is. Here's the whole story. 
Under U.S. law, smuggling exotic animals into the country is a criminal offense with a maximum sentence of 20 years and a $250,000 fine, although he, uh, he's getting no prison time. He was sentenced to one year of probation and has to pay a fine of $5,000. Wow. Well. Uh, they discovered the uh, snakes while reviewing his passport and uh, conducting a border search. Yeah, the young adult snakes were in snake bags. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Wow. Attached to his pants near his inner thighs. Wow. So they did a pat down and went kind of, wait, wait, what's this? I guess. I don't know. I, what, I mean, you know, dick jokes aside, what are you bringing snakes into uh, the country for? To sell them, I guess? Yeah, or you like exotic pets, but just buy one. But I guess they're really expensive. But to take that chance. Again, it's not narcotics. He's not going to prison, I guess. But still. Fredzilla, can you give me some more microphone, please? Because uh, I see where you are. It's just a little bit low. All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, anyways, Dan, so you asked what else was on my list. I've always got some dick jokes in, in reserve. I do. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> I know. I have to ask you, gentlemen, um, uh, did you get the opportunity, the pleasure of watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart? I did. Highlights? I did. Where he, he highlighted the Tucker Carlson visit to um, Russia. I mean, I'm telling you. To me, it was just 20 minutes of brilliance. Man, it was very well done. Oh, man, it was unbelievable. Did you and see again, it, Dan? You know, not yet, no. I uh, I haven't had a chance to uh, I'll, uh, I'll send to Mike, our, our friend Mike Hannafin sent me the uh, YouTube link, and I'll send it to you. Did you. Is that the one you watched, the 20-minute the YouTube thing? Yeah, and then I watched yeah. it on the big screen last night because I just wanted to see it again. And again, how brilliant it was and how... <laughs> You know, I come away thinking, you know, there, and again, there, there's not two sides to this story, right? It's not like, well, you know, Tucker made some good points and then Jon Stewart countered. It's He just exposed him for what an idiot he is. Tucker Carlson, it was, I don't know. You yeah, want to talk about the particulars, or you just have to see it. Well, I have I have uh, lined up a little audio for you in a second here. You know, there was such a there, there's so many great moments, and you know, as a mm-hmm. you know amateur comedian, whatever, I, I'm I'm always curious like the way it was written. So there's obviously writers, and he's delivering it in his John Stewart style. But what I love about John Stewart are the little asides and the voices he puts on, and yeah. the little characterizations. Uh, we call them act outs. Like his act outs of the material is so good. And I was sitting there watching it last night or yesterday afternoon thinking, you know, I wonder if in the rehearsal, like, is he rehearsing those or is that just come out when he's doing it? But it's one of my favorite things about his delivery. And just when he, you know, he looks in the camera and he says, I've said it before. He is such a dick talking about Tucker Carlson at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just such, such a simple tag to put on somebody, but so valid in this situation it just showed how out of touch tucker is with reality you know he's lived a privileged life the man's never been in a grocery store before yeah you know when he gets all excited you get the grocery cart and you take a ruble and you put it in and the chain releases and now you can push it around now the idea is it's free because when you return the ruble you get or when you return the cart you get it back and then he said something like, uh, rather than taking it to your... Uh, well, here, here's, it's a, here's the clip. Yeah. That's the exact yeah. clip I have. And, and by the way, we talked about that yesterday. It's, it's clear that he's never... He thinks that's such a, an advancement. Right. 
but it's at most grocery stores, not all of them. But here's that exact clip. All right. Here we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. Wait, here it is. I know I've said this before. You're such a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Really, truly, like a dick. I didn't realize America's homeless problem is caused entirely by easy access to grocery carts. So, and the rest of it is just 19 minutes and 30 seconds of just like that. Um, at the Metro in Hart Lake, where I live, has had those carts for 40 years. Yeah, of course. I'm telling you. I'm and telling you. I find sometimes you find them aggrav- aggravating. You don't have a quarter, especially in this day of uh, you know uh, tap and pay. But um, like, it's unbelievable. And then that with the bread and he, oh, it's no, just, I know the the one thing I and again, how can you be a fa- how can you be a fan of this guy and come away and still have the same feeling? There's a great moment too at the beginning of the piece where you know and and Dan the whole thing is just like that you know that he keeps going back to clips of Tucker, but at the beginning, um, just show you what a great comedian John Stewart is. Tucker, uh, they have a, a long in the in the piece in, in Tucker's piece. There's a long shot of the. Uh, Russian subway, which is spotless, spotless and beautiful. And there's ornate art hanging on the walls. And, and rather than try and counter that, what he does is he just goes with John Stewart, just goes with it. And he says, well, because he says, man, that is really a nice subway. And then he pauses and goes, of course, to be fair, the New York subway was built in 1904 completely out of urinal cakes, which, which, is, which, is, a, which is a great joke. And he said, of course, it was designed by uh, the great Italian uh, designer uh, Piss Anywhere, Giuseppe Piss Anywhere. But, and so it, it's such a great counter. And it shows you what, the, you know, again, we talk about the left and the right. One thing about the left is at least they have a sense of humor about the left. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tucker Carlson... Oh, and I imagine I haven't... No, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, where Tucker Carlson, this whole piece he does, there's just no humor in it. Like, there's no... I, I, I'm sorry. There's no self-deprecation. Uh, there's no self-awareness. Like, when he's smelling the bread... No. Any Anybody else... Well, at least make fun of yourself. Like, well, you know, I'm, it looks like I've never seen bread before. Yeah. He tries to be witty, but in a, in a way that, again, no self-deprecation or anything, just to promote himself as some great wit, which he isn't. And another great point they made at the end, he's going through the bill and he said it cost the equivalent of $104 U.S. like that was cheap, cheap, cheap. And then as uh, John Stewart points out, and I think maybe you mentioned this yesterday, the average Russian makes $200 a week. Yeah. So if you want to prorate it. <laughs> Yeah, actually, those groceries are pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, as 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 a um, yeah, as representative of a of what they make a month, and that's the funny thing is, mm-hmm. Dan, he's trying to make the point that he bought this, he bought all these groceries, and he and the crew estimated that in the states that would have cost four hundred dollars, but here in Russia it costs only one hundred five. But as John Stewart points out, but he never gives the context mm-hmm. of what the average Russian makes right. a month. Which is why, and, and, and by the way, one of my favorite things, and I wish I'd gotten the clip, where Stewart says, and you know he fucking knows that too. 
And we've said that. Yeah. That's the yeah. problem with those guys. Laura right. Ingraham and yeah, Kennedy. They all know the mm-hmm. truth. They just choose not to say it. The oddest thing about Tucker Carlson to me has always been that whenever I've seen him on television, he's never been a compelling uh, his read is when he reads stuff is horrible. Mm-hmm. His voice is horrible. I, I just have never really understood that that he has become as popular as he has, other than the fact that he's you know is being sensational about things. It it, it just but, astonishes but, me. Yeah, but that's an industry. Yeah, telling far right people dunderheads what they want to hear. It's a whole industry, and that's that's their industry. That's where they work. That's what their job is. And it gets back to what Howard just said. You know, he doesn't give the context. Right. Well, that's what they do. Because if you gave the context, you might lose the fucking dunderheads that you're talking to. Right? Like, it's uh, it's something else. It, like, I try not to let it aggravate me. But like <laughs> John Stewart often says, it makes me angry. It does. When, you, when you're exposed to that. How does it not make you angry that this goes on? Because it's so, it's not constructive in any in any way. It's destructive. You know that um, anyone other than get people riled up with with misin disinformation. The uh, lie of omission is is one of the worst. You know, you can lie, but when you omit the truth to somebody to their detriment Mm -hmm. or to your gain. You know, I, I think that's one of the worst lies, and that's the entire agenda. Of people like Tucker Carlson. And I say anybody else that went to Russia and interviewed Vladimir Putin in the ineffective bullshit way that he did. I mean, that narrative would have been played out if that was somebody from the left, from MSNBC or whatever. That narrative would have been played out as as what it was, which was basically an ineffective bootlicking you know, exercise in futility. Never asked him anything, but somehow uh, the lie of omission yeah. is is really their worst their worst trait. Yeah, and and, and you know what's interesting as well. So mm. many things. Are interesting, interesting, interesting. You know, on the right, like with uh, Trump and his ninety one charges and four indictments, so much of those who have of so many of those who have testified against him are Republicans, and a lot of those worked closely with him. And John Stewart's thing opens yesterday with uh, Chris... Oh, no, it was another clip I saw. It wasn't part of the John Stewart thing, but Chris Wallace, who for a while worked at Fox News alongside right. these guys, and had to bite his tongue. He had a difficult time, and he was fair as Fox people go. Have you seen his bit on uh, Tucker Carlson? How he just roasts them? Like, same thing, this guy... This was amateur hour. It was pathetic. And it just made me think of the whole Trump thing. So these people that worked alongside with these people, and now that you're detached, you can tell the truth. And, uh, yeah, Chris Wallace, who I admire, even though he worked at Fox for a while. But yeah, but he was a good, he, he was, I, I used to watch his show on yeah. Fox. and He, he was he, fair. He yeah. was fair. Because he, he, here's the problem. Here, I'm sorry, not the problem. The reason he was fair is because he was too smart not to be. Here's the uh, here's the clip. And then he of, had to leave. Yeah, of course. Uh, here's the clip of uh, the exchange that we've just been talking about, where Tucker Carlson is, you know, talking about how great it is to buy groceries in Russia. Bucks. 
um, it was $104 US here. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. Radicalized. And it will radicalize you unless you understand basic economics. See, $104 for groceries sounds like a great bargain unless you realize Russians earn less than $200 a week. But that's the kind of context that a, what did you call yourself earlier? A journalist would have provided. And that's the, uh, I love that line, the, the context that, because the, the whole point of this at the beginning of his thing is that, Rush, you know, Tucker Carlson's, you know, passing himself off as this great journalist. But a journalist, somebody was, who was actually looking for the truth, not the truth as, as you were saying, they're in the, they're in the peddling bullshit business. But that's, that's, that context, that omission, is the whole piece. Anyone else, you'd have to point that out. That's one-eighth of, that's, what is that? Uh, 800 a month is uh, 100. You know, that's like uh, 20% of your monthly income for that grocery order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't talk about that. Uh, it's uh, something else. And th- that whole omission thing, I saw a report yesterday, again, not to get too deep into this but there was an fbi informant apparently that hung the bidens out to yeah, yeah i saw that so fox was all over that and this guy claimed they got five million dollars each well they've they've they, they've proved that's wrong the guy made it up yeah fox news has not report not mentioned one word about that that's right when night after night they said like they said like sean hannity apparently had 36 shows about it he mentioned it like 460 times, and then the truth came out. The It is the truth. The guy admitted, I made it up. They have not mentioned it on Fox. No, I was watching that. It's funny what we, we obviously not funny. It's not funny or interesting, but it's uh, mm-hmm. how much, how often that comes. I watched that story last night, and the thing that I thought would stick mm-hmm. in your, because it bugged me, would stick, uh, you'd get was there was a great clip during one of the stories that highlighted how bullshit it turned out to be of the great Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. who was just a few weeks ago waving. It's called a 1023 form, which is an FBI right. form. It doesn't matter what it is. But there's Jim Jordan talking about, well, we have and he's on the committee to try and impeach the president. And he's like, well, we have it right here on this 1023 form, which turned out to be bullshit. So I kept looking for the story where Jim Jordan goes, you know what? Uh, that form we were waving around a couple weeks ago. Well, that that turned out to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing that's interesting. Um, did, did you see the way John Stewart started a show yesterday? Because his first show back on that, Monday yeah, I saw night, he played the, the middle. The comments, he, took some, yeah. he took some great. Sh- he took some great shots at Biden, too. He was just saying, what are we doing? Basically, you know, we have two men here that neither one should be should be running he got a lot of backlash that from the left saying oh you know you're trying to you're you're uh what about 50 50 you're trying to be you know what it it is just fair it Mm -hmm. is um trying to be fair is not telling the story and it was like wow as he said it was just 20 minutes of comedy like wow but he (laughs) was attacked by the left for having the audacity to even question joe biden anyway that's where we're at that's where we're at and again, that was really funny how we started it. Uh, anyway, Dan, I'm going to send it to you as soon as we uh, get a chance to break here. And um, 
Well, not break, you know, like when there's a, when Fred's reading, like, yeah, well, yeah, well, at some it. point, um, yeah. there is a lot of other stuff, uh, that we could be talking about, but this seems to always, uh, and you know, engage us somehow. Uh, there's a great story my brother sent me and I'm just trying to verify which one is true, but it turns out the guy that streaked the Super Bowl. Mm hmm. And, and this will be a nice segue when we get into uh, Bodog. So get Bodog ready, my friend. Okay. It, it turns out, again, I, the reason I was going to send it to Dan, but I'm not 100% sure which one is true. So it turns out that there is a vague suggestion that the guy that streaked the Super Bowl may have bet on himself because there's something called a prop bet. I'm not 100%. I've heard that phrase before, but I'm not 100% sure what it is. Do you have any idea what that means? No. I have a feeling that it's a bet that's not... Let me just... Dan, can you look it up for me? Because yep. it doesn't really matter. But um, So the guy made a prop bet. The story is that the guy that streaked made a bet on himself because there was a bet available that somebody would streak the Super Bowl. So the story is okay. that he put 20 grand... I've heard two different versions, but... So in one version, he puts 20 grand on himself. In another version, he puts 50 grand on himself, buys a $10,000 uh, Super Bowl ticket, streaks the Super Bowl, gets one night in jail and a, and a small fine. And then in the first uh, version where he puts down 20, he doubles his money. In the second version that I've seen, and this is on yahoo.com, he put 50 grand on and... Um, and is and made like three hundred and fifty grand, but the, apparently the stunt is falling apart because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Because now he's going on um, call it yak yak. He's going on TikTok. <laughs> I just hey, about called start it that yak up. yak. <laughs> you should start that. What a fucking old man moment that was. He went on the yak yak and he did this talking. <laughs> he talked on the yak anyway. So apparently this is all falling apart. But I. Uh, it is so. Yeah, he says he put down fifty and won three hundred and seventy-four thousand. Dan, what's a prop bet? Uh, basically, a side rate, a side wager, a side wager a that, that doesn't have to that do with the actual game, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, nothing to do with the final outcome. Okay, so that's the so uh, apparently there's enough truth in this story, Fred, that he did do this. He did put some kind of bet down, and now won't stop talking about it on the on the yak yak. So what could, how does this come back on him? Like, can the wagering companies come back and say it was some kind of fraud or yes, something? Yes, I think that's probably what's, what's happening. I'm just oh. looking at Yahoo Sports now as we're talking, because my brother just sent me this update. Yeah, because that's almost like insider trading or however, whatever analogy you want to, like he was in complete control of that. So, yeah, that's... Um, It'll be, uh, see what the outcome of that is. You know what I was surprised at during the uh, Super Bowl when they actually said that there's a streaker on the field? Usually they just say someone is on the field and then they don't show it, right? It's the new thing in sports. If uh, somebody jumps on the field or, you know, causes a ruckus, they just, they keep the cameras away and just say there's a disruption on the field and you know what it was but they actually used during the game i'm sure they said there's a streaker on the field didn't show them obviously but i was a little surprised by that because they go to great maybe it's now not to it, it mm -hmm. may be uh 
Uh, he may be able to, to pull off the, the, uh, the win because he could have said, well, yeah, I, I, I attempted to, but there's no guarantee that I could have gotten on the field. So because of the security yeah, or whatever, you know, he could probably defend himself a little bit, but and maybe they never thought of it in their in the rules of, of betting that somebody would do something. Well, this like could that. be uh, this could be precedent setting, couldn't it? Could be. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of things I find. May I say it? Um, rough. <laughs> I find it, first of all, I've, I've watched some of the, uh, his stuff there on TikTok, and he's one of those guys that he's just, he's, whether he, I think he just loves being, this is his big 15 minutes of fame moment, so he's enjoying that. Mm-hmm. He's the type of dude, I sure. can play the audio for you, where he explains what he did. Mm-hmm. But I, the, the thing I really find, you know, every night on the news, they show scenes of violence and people being bombed and killed and the aftermath of mass shootings. They have no problem showing that. But yet some dude running around the field or some gal, gals and dudes, they never show it. They never even show the aftermath or him being pulled off. Like, doesn't that say something about all of us? Like, like what, what is the harm in that? Yet we have no problem showing the most horrific images every night on television yeah i know i know it's one of those things it's i the, i agree with your they do now i agree with your sentiment howard but it may also be that they're trying to discourage the you know yes. from people from doing that yeah. if, they, if you show them give them publicity then it may encourage other people to do it i do agree with oh, the yeah, general that's idea exactly though. what it is yeah mm-hmm yeah, but I, you know, no yeah, one, no one ever they, got, no, no, no school was ever, no kids were ever killed by a bunch of people streaking through the school. You know, no. we, I, like, children, quick, hide! We've got an active streaker. <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously, that might be the way to go. Like, take away guns and let people try and kill each other with their dinks. <laughs> Dink wars. Dink wars. Yeah, but only. But only some of us have weapons. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, you see, all- <laughs> roughly thirty, roughly thirty-three point three percent of us, Howard. That's very, very. You see, we've come full circle, Dan. It's the circle of dick life that we. Yeah. It's the uh, it's our it's our super skill, Dan. Uh, we've got lots of room, uh, of course, for the uh, Dan Duran news later, and yep. uh, and we'll be looking for your uh, impressions of how mature. How maturely we conduct this interview that's about to happen in the next few minutes. All right. I can't wait to hear it. All right, Dan Duran. Thank you for your service mm-hmm. to this country. Maybe a little bow dog might be good here. Uh, yeah, Howard, yesterday I mentioned uh, that Austin Matthews can score his 50th goal tonight at home in Phoenix. You know, where he grew up, and uh, the line on that is minus 135. So it costs you $135 to win 100 on Matthews scoring tonight and getting number 50. Uh, whether you're a sports better, horse racing fan, poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their uh, fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. I mentioned yesterday some great things are happening at Boron One. You know, if you want to go on their site, you just go to uh, boron1.com and uh, check out the news section. Let me just uh, quickly let William 
know that we're just seconds away from uh, putting them in. Stand by, please. Uh, back to Boron. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot this last uh, year or so about all the properties of the actual mineral itself. But if you go to boron1.com uh, and then go under the uh, drop-down menu for latest news, you're going to find out what, what we've been finding out, which is they've been making some progress. Like as recently as the 15th of uh, February, it says Boron 1 announces update to early warned exercise incentive program. There's a lot of stuff being being you know, figured out there right now. And one of the main ones is they're just a a couple of years away from actually a working mine, which is unbelievable when it comes to the odds of that actually happening. One in a thousand junior mining companies ever get to this point. So uh, the point of all of this is for you to check out Boron One and maybe, you know, look at adding that to your portfolio, always with the mind that Humble and Fred making no uh, claims about stock prices, but have your Sherpa or Sherpa have a look at boron1.com. All right. Uh, I'm not 100% sure I don't have. Do you have any suggestions for um, the uh, music here for uh, for our uh, upcoming interview? Anything that hmm. comes to mind? It's a, uh, a good one. I wish you'd have asked me earlier. Well, we got time. Offhand. Uh, you know, uh, rocket, something to do, um, something, I don't know. What's a great uh, penis? Are there actually penis songs we've played over the years? Uh, well, sort of like Ivor Big and I'm a Wanker. Yeah. Or, uh, has any has anyone seen my cock? That one. <laughs> I, I don't recall playing that, but maybe maybe I was maybe I was out of the oh, studio for that. Oh. Has anyone seen my mm-hmm. cock? Yeah, yeah, that's a great. Hit. I forget the actual name of the song. Mm, I see. Okay, yeah. it's a sort of a double entendre. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's very very subtle. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But there's that. That's one. good. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I, I do. I, I, you know what I recall that on the Thursday Thirty, it was very popular. Oh, it was probably yes. Yeah, that's why we did. We probably didn't play it in the morning. My cock, my big Rhode Island red, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like that. Uh, okay, yeah. well, let me just get uh, something. Then it doesn't matter. Let me just get. All right. Let me just play something that we play all the time. Just kind of hold your head up. Here we go. <laughs> that sort of works. Yeah, that's right. Hold your head up. Head up. Yeah. yeah that's uh-huh. right. Get your head up. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if William Moore knows what he's getting himself into. I, I imagine he's been briefed. He's no dummy. Mm-mm-mm. Says here, William Moore is connecting to audio. Hopefully, we'll have him uh, any moment now. I'm sure this can't be the first Zoom interview he's done. No. Mm-hmm. I wonder where he is. Somewhere in, uh, you know, America. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope after all this buildup, we're not let down like a lot of experiences to do with your wiener. Yes, yes. Maybe the uh, internet's not so good in uh, Pecker, Indiana. (laughs) What could be going on? I don't know, dude. I have no idea. You know, like, 
999 times out of a thousand we people come on our show everything works but this highly anticipated interview for some reason William doesn't seem to be able to connect and I can't message By him by the way here yes our producer our producer Mike uh, Boone says in a nutshell this company injects your wang with this filler so it looks bigger the founder will offer you guys a free consultation go from looking like Fred to a Dan Duran why did he say Fred and not Humble Fred or I don't know Howard? Like what's I, I don't know. You've been telling him stories. <laughs> no, okay. I, honestly, I saw that. And does I, he assume that? <laughs> does he assume that you're somewhere between me and Dan? I don't know. I don't know what is. You know what? We'll have to find out tomorrow. I don't know what his penis assumption is. I always have you know thought of ourselves as uh, being fairly uh, you know normal and average. And so I don't know. I saw that. I can tell you right now. We're not in, unless something happens. There we go. Okay, that stopped. Let's William. See. Okay. William Moore. Well, there, there we go. See, I knew th- I knew something was about to happen. There we go. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear oh, us? Oh, sounds great. Yeah. William, I have a mic. Where, where are we? Uh, where are we uh, talking to you this morning? <laughs> um, I'm in my house in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Well. Uh, welcome to the show. You're the founder of Fallow Phil. Uh, William, is- thanks for doing this with us. Thank you for having me. What um, What is your background? Are you a doctor? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you were you a were you somebody in need of girth enhancement? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I actually did have all kinds of surgeries um, for male enhancement prior to developing the fallophil procedure i guess you would say i'm an innovator i have a master's degree in physiology i um i'm a medical assistant i have an mba but i've had a med spa for 20 years here in dallas i had one of the very first med spas in dallas and so i started injecting um botox in 2005 when it was very early on the market dermal filler around 2009 i think dermal filler was actually released for the first time in the u.s in 2004 so i've been injecting for a long time and it was primarily faces and in 2010 i went to learn the vampire facelift which is a trademarked procedure that involves platelet-rich plasma combined with hyaluronic acid dermal filler for the face and the 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 founder of that procedure his name was dr charles runnels also developed what's called the P-shot, which you may have heard of, and also the O-shot. This is a procedure where we draw the patient's blood, we separate out their growth factors, which is called platelet-rich plasma, we inject it into the corporal cavernosum, and the idea was is that these growth factors were going to increase the size of the penis. And so that's what I was told that it would do and also increase sexual performance. So I got back from training with Dr. Runnels in 2010. I sent out an email to all my, I probably had 12,000 people on my email list by then. I was doing a lot of hormone replacement therapy with my physician there and we were doing some of the um, semi-rectile dysfunction treatments. I sent it out and I had a huge response for men that wanted to have a change in the size of their penis. I had an overwhelming response. And so I did a lot of these P, these P shots. And as it turns out, um, I did not get any size growth. Um, the doc, Dr. Runnels was saying that he had size growth changes, but I didn't see any. So I very quickly pulled back from that claim and 
I did see changes in sexual performance, but that's not what we're talking about here today. Uh, well, William, if I may just jump in, I just have a question because yeah. I I, I'm an, I know a little bit about PRP, platelet-rich plasma. It's, uh-huh. it's basically used a lot in sports medicine. It is. It's a lot to, uh, and I've had a couple where I've had it in my shoulder, I've had it in my elbow, uh, but I'd never, I'm, and, and so what it's supposed to do is bring your own plasma to those spots and, and help in healing. I never heard it in terms of helping things expand. So, so, and, well, you, and you have found it, it didn't work. We found that it did not work. And, and lots of, if you Google P-Shot right now, you'll still find that people are claiming that the P-Shot increases the size of your penis. And there's providers, I mean, there's hundreds or there's, there's thousands of providers. It's very, it's a very large network of people who are doing platelet rich plasma. And what was the O-Shot? The well, you said there was a P-Shot and an O-Shot. The O shot is for orgasms for women, and okay, it goes to the course. clitoris. All right, okay. Yeah, Platelet rich plasma right. as well. So, so there, there just weren't enough growth factors in the amount of blood that you could draw to actually change the size of the penis. So I stopped doing it, and um, I, I did a lot of faces. I was a I did a tremendous amount of faces with with dermal filler. I was very talented at that. And um, in 2020, whenever we were closed down for COVID, I had talked to um, a couple of urologists that were trying to do growth enhancement using some permanent solutions, using some non-permanent solutions such as hyaluronic acid, which is the safest. That's what Phylophil uses is, is hyaluronic acid dermal filler. But I talked to um, a plastic surgeon. I talked to um, a dermatologist who were they were not successful in making the procedure undetectable and having a reliable outcome. And the reason for that is, is because the penis is very dynamic. It expands, it retracts, it twists, it turns, it does all kinds of things. So when you put this dermal filler in the penis, if you don't have a way to maintain its placement, it's going to migrate and cause lumps and sort of look like an accordion, if you will, where it has baffles in it because mm. it, because it shrinks up. <laughs> wow. And so, so, so I attractive. developed a way. Yeah. So so when we were closed for COVID, I had some friends that volunteered. They were like, I said, can you come over? Um, we're closed. Let me work on um, trying to make this growth enhancement procedure work. And I ended up having some really, really good results in July and August. And then we opened back up at, you know, a limited um, limited um capacity and i began to tell some of my patients word of mouth about the about the procedure it wasn't named at that time and and um i had great results with it they were all very happy and um so october came i posted google adwords and i just i was just bombarded with patients for penile growth enhancement and i did i almost did nothing in october november and december of 2020 besides this growth enhancement well we had a cold front in Dallas um, sometime in December, and it got really cold. And all the patients began to come back with problems because their penises got cold and it retracted. And then all of a sudden, I had the same lumps and the same bumps that all the other providers were having. Mm-hmm. So I began to work on a way to keep the penis compressed and extended so that the dermal filler has a chance to heal and it encapsulates and it takes about three to four weeks we we believe we know for the dermal filler to become encapsulated and so over the course of 12 months i worked on a way to figure out how to compress an extent and i developed a a sleeve it's called a fallow sleeve and it's in its final stages of being patented right now and nothing has ever been created like it and it's our bread and butter it's our it's our secret sauce to to fallow fill right and so we 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 lay the filler 
consistently so that it's in a it's in a nice column so that it is even but then we put this this sleeve on we have 10 different sizes so you can okay. change sizes hey, as l- your l- penis l- increases okay, listen, william, william so, okay this is great and i appreciate you talking we have a we have a uh, we want to just jump in if you don't mind with about yeah. 300 questions if that's okay. okay okay yeah all right so what you're saying there was a sleeve basically to keep it warm so it doesn't get cold until the process is not warm keeps it okay. extended okay so it, it oh, grabs okay. the glands and it keeps it extended and compressed cool. so it makes it long and um you can wear it to the side in your shorts or your underwear and you can't see it it's undetectable oh. in your clothing so what are There's we talking about here me. william what are we talking about because you're, you're, you're all we've read in, in your material and what you've said so far is girth so you're not making it longer you're not taking somebody from a a three or a micro penis to a a normal size five or six inches so what what exactly you're just making it thicker it's just it's just thicker and so the all the studies with women's or female satisfaction or with partner satisfaction girth is the key to making someone sexually fulfilled um so so no, it does not do length. We don't have a way to do length right now. Right. I train mm-hmm. the top urologists in the country. I've got one of the best urologists, reconstructive urologists that I trained yesterday, and I'm training him today when I get to work. And we discussed length yesterday. We don't believe that we're ever going to see a surgical procedure for length. But isn't there, I mean, I, again, I'm a bit right. of a, you know, mediophile, and I've read about this procedure or per supposed procedure where you, they, they cut some, you know, they some, cut the suspensory ligament. Yeah, they cut it, cut the ligament hmm. to try and make it, to, to bring more outside of your, um, body cavity, but but they've uh, they've never had much success with. Uh, there's been a lot of horror stories about filler in general, but right. yeah. Well, the suspensory so, ligament dissection, which is what you're talking right. about, it, it cuts the suspensory ligament. First of all, your penis will never stand upright again. Oh, so when you're, well, you're trying to good. use it, you that's lose control good. over it, yeah. which is not great. But the next thing is, it doesn't make it longer erect. It only makes it hang out of your body longer okay, okay. soft. So that doesn't do you any good. No, no. But but our dermal filler, the nice right. thing about it is it's heavy. And so people look at our before and afters and they say, wow, you made the penis longer. We didn't make it longer. We made it heavy so that it's more of a shower rather than just a grower. And the hyaluronic acid dermal filler <laughs> creates scaffolding. Yeah. And so it and so people look much, much better when they're flaccid because of the dermal filler. Got it. So we, we can quicken. And, that, and that, that that would be the question that I would ask you. Like when people come to you, is it how much of it's vanity and how much of it is sexual performance and and vanity just the way it looks like who are these these people because you know generally say you have one you have one partner and your partner knows what it looks like so what's the deal there they don't have just one partner so we have lots of men who are single that come in they come in their 20s before they have their long-term partner but a lot of times a man that has a smaller a smaller penis when he wakes up in the morning he looks in the mirror he starts his day out with a dark cloud on top of his head about the way he the way he feels about himself. Yeah. And I've had men who have told me that 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 mm-hmm. we 
kick-started their career, if you will. We had entrepreneurs that developed new products. I have people, they, they call it big dick energy. My patients say it absolutely changed the way that I look at life whenever I look at myself and, in the morning. And, and, and that's fair. I mean, like, you know, a lot of people do things for vanity, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, procedures that you perform. Let me ask you a couple questions about the procedure. A, how does it work? B, how much does it cost? How long does it last? Okay, so the way that it works is that we're going to lay the dermal filler on the sides of your penis in a series of injections. We start with lidocaine. It's 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 very it's very easy. It's an easy procedure. It takes me about twenty minutes to do it. There's no downtime. You can go right back to work. We schedule the patient for one hour for a new patient. That's for paperwork consultation procedure and applying the post-care garment it's very fast you can leave and go to the gym right whenever you get finished so there's no downtime and there's no recovery that's the most important thing about this the surgical procedures you know you you can't have sex sometimes for six months so we ask you to wait 10 days so that we don't move the dermal filler but that's not really that long to ask someone to to abstain from sex or masturbation when they're going to get a nice change. Mm. So it's applied in, it's dead in the office under local, um, with just local lidocaine. Um, the next question that you asked me yeah, was, like, um, does, does how much hurt? does it cost? No, no. So okay, wait a second. Because a lot of guys listening to everything, wait a second. I don't want, you know, I don't want to know if I want needles in my dick. Um, of course. For the, for, for, for the needle dick procedure. Yes, so I, I joked with someone yesterday. I said, I know that you did not, your New Year's resolution was not to have needles put in your dick. Yeah. So, um, so it filled, the very first <laughs> stick feels like a toothpick going against the side of your penis mm. or maybe popping a pimple. And so mm. we do this one tiny little wheel of lidocaine and then we work through that wheel and we add more lidocaine and then more lidocaine and more lidocaine. So on a scale of one to 10, I generally ask my patients when they finish, one being no pain, 10 being the worst pain you can imagine. I generally get a two or a three. I've gotten a four one time. It's a really easy procedure. And, and so it only takes mm-hmm. one procedure to put all this filler <laughs> in there no so a lot of providers will put all of this filler in there in one treatment because it saves them time on their schedule and they get to do a lot more money in one procedure we found that layering the dermal filler very thin um, we we increase the size about one quarter of an inch with every procedure. We we lay it very thin. That means that you're not going to wake up the next day and say, "Oh my God, I put too much filler in." Um, and it also allows the filler mm-hmm. to stay in place. I tell people to think about having a tube of toothpaste. When it's very low on toothpaste, it's hard to move through the toothpaste tube. But when it has a lot of filler, I mean, a lot of a lot of toothpaste, it moves very easily. The filler migrates very easily with a lot of filler being injected. But thin layers, it stays in place. So a quarter of an inch every treatment. So one inch increase, four treatments. So it I, so it doesn't affect the length, just the girth. Don't if someone doesn't have a very long penis, can this procedure not give them like just uh, the appearance like of a pop can or a, like a just a big mushroom head or something? Like what do you do about that? Well, like, I mean, just, course, do, you, do you have to have a certain length before you recommend a certain girth? Like, do, do they have to work together? It varies with each patient. So I've had patients who have come in that have a three and a half to four inch penis, but their circumference is three inches or maybe 2.75 inches. We can add 
three quarters of an inch to an inch on a four inch penis and it still looked normal when it starts that small. So, so it's, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, it, it, it can, it, we choose, yeah. we determine that by patient. Okay. Well, but, but you're right. You could, you could get too thick. We will stop that from happening. So if so, you're, you're going to add an inch mm-hmm. of, uh, right. of girth to a, an average size penis over four procedures. Correct. So the last two questions I was trying to figure out was how much does it cost? How long does it last? How often do they have to come back for a, you know, a refresh? Great questions. So um, each procedure is going to cost you approximately $2,500 for a quarter of an inch. Wow. And so, so if you want three quarters of an inch, that's about 7,500. If you want one full inch, that's about 10,000. And what are most people, and let me jump back in. What do most people get? Do they usually get an inch or they get a half an inch? What are they at? I think about an inch is about the average that, that people usually wow. ask us. Our average number of syringes that we inject per patient as we've, as we've had, we've, um, average these out is 19.75 syringes and most people get five syringes per treatment which would be about an inch on average is how much they're going to gain most most patients wow and how long does it last so the interesting thing about this procedure is whenever you put this is the same dermal filler that you use in the face so in the face the dermal filler is fda cleared to last typically about 12 months. But when we put it in the penis, we're putting it between two layers of fascia that don't have any blood flow and don't have any lymphatic drainage. So there's nothing in this layer, there's plain to metabolize it. So we tell patients it's going to last three to four years. We actually think it's going to last much longer, but we're very conservative. But the most that we've seen a patient lose so far in 12 months is a quarter of an inch. And as I said before, we increase it by a quarter of an inch per treatment. So we tell patients mm-hmm. to expect to have one treatment per year maintenance to maintain mm-hmm. that girth. Wow. Sometimes they're getting a little bit larger with every maintenance treatment because they don't lose the quarter of an inch, but they still like the procedure. So they come back and they just mm-hmm. have the procedure anyway, and they get a little bit larger. What about somebody like me that flaccid, it appears to be very thin and short but erect it's quite impressive i'm sorry so you i'm do sorry this procedure. i'm sorry it's what it's uh what's that sir ah, it's quite impressive according to uh very like impressive. A, a panel of so, uh, very impressive is it? <laughs> listen to my question so i get the procedure and flaccid it makes me look more impressive now hmm. once erected how, what does it change? Like, it, does the girth maintain the extra inch? When you know what I'm saying? Yes. When you're so now, the proportions yeah. are the same. So if you gain an inch okay. flaccid, you're going to gain an inch erect. As oh well. my god! And, It'll be overwhelming so, then. Yeah, and so and the, and the most amazing thing, and and all of my urologists when they come in, they train. They're just so shocked by this because dermal filler in the penis has traditionally left the penis very spongy like a water balloon yeah. and it's really not something that you want and it's very detectable no you don't want spongy no you don't it's, no. it's, it's bad it's a bad procedure and so we place the dermal filler what we teach the urologist and what we developed or what i developed is to put this underneath the layer of fascia that holds the penis firm if okay. you think about the penis it feels full of blood it has to have something rigid mm-hmm. that holds it 
firm and it's a layer of flexible yes. fascia and so we put it right below that and so it's the penis is still firm when it's erect just um, as firm as it was before william what, have, have you ever uh, encountered a uh, penis that uh, you could only describe as like a beanbag on a uh, or a cork on a beanbag where flaccid it it really it really just looks like a it doesn't matter um william it's up, it's, it's up, <laughs> william what is the old it just looks like it's at rest on a, yes. a beanbag it's like anyway taking um, a break what 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 be the age here? Have you ever? What's the oldest person you've done? The oldest person I've treated is about eighty five. What? What is an eighty yeah, five year old? He's, want? In, he's in his eighties. What does he want? With more girth. So he's I, sexually active. I was going to say. So he walks in at eighty five and says, "I need this because he's sexually active." Wait a second. He still has he still has good erections. When, when, He's when you, sexually active. An eighty five year old walks in, and first of all, you can't. His balls are down by his knees. He doesn't even care about. He <laughs> just wrap his balls around his dink. Anyway, William. So <laughs> it's a great business you've got there. Um, uh, what? Uh, so that's your business now. Uh, you're living yeah. in Dallas. Uh, you have all. You can't. It's. You have so many patients. Could you, are you, I, could you have ever imagined this is where your business would have taken you? You know, it's crazy. I, I would not. So we went to the, it's called the North America Sexual Medicine Society meeting in, mm-hmm. in November in San Diego. It's the largest collaboration or convention of sexual medicine doctors, um, I think, in the world. The, the, the North America um, mm-hmm. branch is the largest. And we have had such an overwhelming response from the top urologists in the country. They're called, they're called KOLs, key opportunity leaders. Those, they're the ones that research and they present and they're innovators and they take on new procedures. There's never been a procedure that they embraced until this one. And when they sent out the newsletter, um, that thanked everyone for coming to the Sexual Medicine Society conference, they actually put a video at the very top of the newsletter of one of my providers from Miami mm-hmm. being interviewed and talking about the safety and the efficacy mm-hmm. um, of the procedure. So we are really being embraced. And I would have never thought that I would be in this world of urology. Yeah. And when I was at this conference, I mean, I had these top urologists at my booth begging to get face-to-face time with me. And now we have a wait list of them training uh, – a wait list for them trying to get trained. So um, I train almost every day that I'm in clinic. Wow. Do you, um, I have to ask you, have you done yourself or is that ethical? Would you, have no, you can ask me. Yeah, I have. I, Doctor, yeah. have you done it yourself? Yes, I have. Um, I've had one procedure, you know, so I had, um, I had fat grafting done um, in 2010. So, um, I'm not sure was, what, the, what does that mean? Fat grafting? Fat grafting means that they, they, they took fat from my abdomen and they packed it into my penis. And so I actually was a lucky one. I was really lucky. Mine came out very even and it's, it's, it's undetectable. Most people don't get that they're not that lucky. And so I didn't get to have sex for six months. I had to keep it in tension for six months. It was a really, it was a really hard six months recovery. So we don't want someone to have mm-hmm. to go through a fat grafting procedure, have to have liposuction. There's a lot that goes along with it. You have to be put under. So I had nice. that procedure. I was lucky. My penis is thick. 
Um, if you read the Miami Times, I had an I had an, an article um, written in the. Re- oh, no, I, th- I thought you, what, what I thought me. what I was going to I thought you were saying the Miami Times headline: William Moore has a thick penis. They pretty much did. It was in the very first paragraph, or it was somewhere close to the top. And he asked me, he asked me flat out, "What's your girth?" And I told him. And so everyone in the world could go look at the Miami Times and they can right. see. So what is your girth? It's five point seven five in circumference. Wow. And what's your length? Uh, my length is about. 5.25 not oh. anything over not anything over um average so but okay. the girth is what makes people happy girth is okay. what girth is what makes the world go round william are, and, and we, before we let you go i got i mean maybe you don't want to talk about this but there's got to be or has there been i shouldn't say there's got to be have there been or are there chances of what do you tell a patient here's what could go wrong let me tell you, that's a, I'm so glad you asked. So um, at the Sexual Medicine Society Conference, they took 500 of my patients from the time that we started through the time of, um, there was a certain date that they ended it, and, and that was because of the collection of data. In those, it was 500 and, um, 478 patients. We had two infections. That was the worst thing that happened. The infections were local to injection sites. Mm-hmm. One was from noncompliance. The patient had sex the following day anal sex and he knew that he was not supposed to for 10 days he admitted it was his fault he had his treatment following up in three weeks he took oral antibiotics for um five days and it was cleared the other guy that had an infection was a was a um customs and immigration officer on the border of texas and when all the crazy stuff was happening he was on vacation and he got called in to go to go to the border he had to sit in his car for three days Mm. and he got a small infection. He went to a local doc in the box. They fixed it. We've never had to have someone have a surgical intervention. Um, We had one UTI of the study that was not related to Falafel, but because it happened during the the, mm-hmm. the time, we we, we included right. it. Well, we got um, okay. so, so it's very so, safe, yeah, very, very safe very procedure, safe. very safe. Um, and uh, we have to ask you, what about Canada? Available in Canada? Would yes. someone have to come to Texas? You, no. This procedure is available in Canada in Montreal. Yep, wow. we have a Dr. Wow. Zorn that I trained um, several, almost a year ago, and he's in Montreal, and he is a great provider, and he is available in Canada. Well, listen, um, I'm I'm uh, not interested in the procedure, but I am interested in the franchise because you are making. So I've done some math here, my friend, and it's. Uh, have you ever thought of Have you ever thought of sponsoring a podcast? Because I think we're the perfect place for you, William A. Moore. I think you know, that I, we we are the type of show, as you can tell, where uh, uh, it's irreverent, but we're serious. Um, I'm a, I'm a doctor myself, obviously. Um, have you, is, do you sponsor any uh, satellite stuff or any uh, radio things? I have it. We, what we do is we occasionally we have live um, questions and answers, and we have live. Um, they're all we, they're they're through YouTube, um, and actually I guess they're through they're through a Zoom link like this, and then they're recorded and they're put on YouTube, and we talk about different different topics for yeah, yeah. growth enhancement. And I and I would love to do something like you do, but I am I'm in the clinic right now training physicians, urologists primarily. We have one dermatologist, we have one OBGYN, and two um doctors who are who concentrate on aesthetics only but primarily urologists and i'm in clinic every day and and when i'm training i don't pick my phone up i mean we no, right. we have patients back to back to back well we, and it's just my, my life well, is crazy right yeah, now we, we appreciate your uh, time today here right and well, just I appreciate quick, you having me uh, yeah be, yeah be, 
Quickly, because you mentioned it earlier in the show, um, women in uh, clitoral. So you actually ex- expand the size or increase the size of the clitoris for... Uh, well, that was the PRP uh, thing. That was the P injection. Yeah, that wasn't okay. the same, no. Okay, and so that's not part, but but that is what happens. Okay. It, it's right not on. the size. It actually no. increases the nerve innervations, right. and so it makes them have better orgasms. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what those Very are? Good. When a woman has an orgasm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Women don't have orgasms. Have you ever heard of that? I wasn't sure if you have. Um, anyway, William A. Moore, man, what a what a remarkable performance. And uh, if people want to have more information, it's Fallow, P-H-A-L-L-O, Phil, F-I-L-L. Uh, just go Google that up. Uh, William, what a great uh, talk. Thank you very much for Thank taking time. Thank you for time. having me. It was oh really my gosh. Fun. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks, Doc. And uh, you were great. Thank you. Thank you. There's William A. Moore. Yeah, that was uh, have a good day, guys. Thank you, sir. Okay, Just man. let Take yourself out of the meeting. Go off and go okay. off and uh, enjoy the land of. I'm going to go teach. I got a guy. Mm-hmm. He's here all from day long. He's just putting uh, needles into dicks for huge money. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, man. Yeah, dude, right we got to we got to get a franchise in Toronto. Humble and Fred's, you know, dick filling station. Yeah, everything about that was uh, fascinating. Except, I don't know if I could take a ten day break from masturbation, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Good. I, I I just can't. I just can't imagine, you know, the thought, like, I wish this was thicker to actually going through that to the tune of 10 Well, grand. I mean, who are these people? Who are these people? Well, you know, listen, uh, you know, once you describe yourself as impressive, I mean, where is, where, yeah, how do you, how do you get, uh, how do you, where do you go from impressive? Uh, I don't know about the, uh, the price of it is, so if it's 10 grand in the States, it's uh, 15 grand, and then every year you're going back for a top up, but I imagine, uh, you know. You know, I, I, one of the things we, we yeah. did, you did ask him about the oldest patient, but I would wonder what the average patient age would be. Because he said it was a lot of younger men, yeah, guys that are still out. Um, yeah, on the prowl. On yeah. the prowl. Okay, listen, we've got, uh, we got to switch gears here because uh, the Sherpa's standing by. And um, I want to get this uh, into the show before we get behind here. So have a listen to this, everybody. Looking for a way to relax after a long day? Come on. Tired of being notified by life's bells and whistles? Yeah, I'm going to need that draft tomorrow. When you're ready to stop working so hard, you know it's time to play. Yes. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, check out our beginner's guides, and get poker tips. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. And, of course, that music means it's uh, time once again to uh, have a nice visit with our friend Tim Niblett, who I'm sure will be thrilled to be on after the Philophil guy or the Philophil. You know, in Greece, they actually have its Philophil. They fill your dick with Philo, <laughs> with philo pastry. <laughs> no, I was gonna, it's when I was thinking along the same lines. Just that whole thing of, like, filler. It's like I'm thinking of, you know, the stuff I buy for my wall. Right, cocking. Uh, Polyfiller, or uh, yeah, the stuff you cock your bathroom bathroom with. Yeah, yeah but I, uh, yeah, that's right. When you go to Greeks, when you go to Greece, it's Philophil. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Listen, everybody. Let's get serious. Enough screwing around. 
It's time to talk to our friend Tim Niblett, tim.niblett at RaymondJames.ca. As you know, a.k.a. the retirement is Sherpa. Hello, sir. Good morning, everybody. I'm not sure I can rise up to the level of your last guest. There, there you go. Run. There you oh, go. Oh, Timmy. Well, Tim, stiff upper lip, my friend, or stiff something. Yes, yes. Although, like you, uh, H, I was certainly paying attention to the revenue and uh, how he's going forth and multiplying, so to speak. No, yeah. Uh, I think we're going to change uh, the retirement Sherpa uh, methodology to solely serving doctors who perform <laughs> Exactly. They make a lot of money. Hey, uh, Tim Burley, this hasn't happened in a while, but I think... Um, I'm not sure you've clicked the mic on because I'm getting you through your computer. For some reason, there we go. How about now? There That's we go. It. There's the voice we're used to. There yeah, it is. my uh, my computer decided to reload Zoom, and uh, I thought I clicked all the right boxes, but uh, hopefully now we have. No, no, you're perfect. Um, and let's get right to today's uh, discussion because uh, you know there's. There's all kinds of things we talk about here uh, week after week with the retirement chirp. And, uh, you know, I want people to make sure they're paying attention. So what are we talking about today, my friend? Sure. So sometimes we maybe get a little deeper into theory than um, specific granular things, as the kids uh, say. So with, with the end of RSP season coming up, with the kind of beginning of TFSA season coming up, uh, lots of Canadians, uh, well, Americans in CDs or call certificates of deposit, uh, and, and Canadians in, you know, our beloved GICs. So the first question is if you have them, should you? And if you don't, should you? Should you? Well, like any good financial advisor, Fred, it depends, right? So, <laughs> right. um, I, I'd suggest that if it's for a very short-term thing, you know, maybe you're buying a home in six months with a mortgage through Mike or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, they could be a good vehicle because you don't want your money to go down at all. You don't care as much how it goes up necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but GICs are thought of at, the, at kind of the base level as being risk-free, and they really aren't, right? Over any extended period of time, you're probably going to lose money on it compared to a quality equity investment, a dividend right. paying, uh, you know, fund ETF company, whatever. Uh, so there's a risk there, right? To to extrapolate, if you put it into a TFSA and you're 40 years of age and you're losing, we'll say 2% on average for the next uh, 30 years, there's a whole lot of risk going on because your money hasn't that's, grown very much. That's but should they be a small part generally overall always or only in certain situations? We rarely if ever use it and that's a philosophy. I mean, if you need the safety there are still other things you can use even money market uh, funds are paying quite nicely currently and mm-hmm. you know with the interest rates where we are uh, and they're much more flexible. They're much more liquid, as we call it. Uh, in the medium term, there's plenty of investments that uh, can make more for you and, again, have more flexibility or, or liquidity. You know, the thing that, uh, again, we don't think of often enough is what GICs pay are always less than the inflation rates are. What GICs pay are always less than the bank's charges to borrow money mm-hmm. for a mortgage or whatever. So, so if I might just jump really, in, what, what is the point of them then? Um, wh- wh- who, who are they? Yeah, wh- why, why do they, who, who are they for and what do they exist for? Who are these people? Who are right? these people? Mm-hmm. 
Well, ones who just uh, kind of look for safety over everything, right? People who are volatility adverse, not risk averse, as we were talking about a bit, but they just don't like to open their statement and, and see some changes in the value of their portfolio. So they're willing to make less, ultimately. And, right. and in a lot of cases, pay more taxes, right, uh, to have the certainty. If, if they're just certainty-driven, certainty-oriented, but again, certainty can bring arguably a lot of risk and a lot of cost over time. So, Tim, what's the difference between a GIC and a bond, or are they the same thing, like a Canada Savings bond or something along those lines? Are they basically the same thing, or is there a difference? Well, there's a wide variety of bonds, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably as many bonds as there are companies on the stock market. So it, it depends. There can be ones like an, a, a CSB, Canada Savings Bond, where mm-hmm. you put a certain amount in, you get a regular amount coming uh, to you. That's more GIC-like. Uh, mm-hmm. Bonds can also, and we really realize this, if, if not before, in 2022, when as the interest rates were going up, the value of the bonds went down mm-hmm. because uh, there's an inverse relationship between the cost and, and the interest rates. So bonds can have some volatility too. Uh, where we are right now probably is good for them because the converse will uh, happen right as the rates start to go down then the values should go up um speaking of volatility the last couple of things on your note here it says taxation and tfsas are there any risk slash volatility in tfsas and what about taxation so taxation again because it's interest the gic's pay out and that's kind of the theme of the day right uh, if it's in an RSP, no tax. TFSA, no tax, whether it should be, I'll address in a sec. Um, but if you've got it in just a non-registered account, a cash account, it, it's called, not only are you not making much, not only are you making less than inflation, but then it's fully taxable on top of it as well. So as with any investment, we know exactly how the tax laws work. We, we've got to make sure our portfolio is aligned with them. Mm-hmm. Well, as we always say, you know, it, it, uh, if, it doesn't matter if you're uh, uh, if you've already got somebody. What we'd like you to understand is that Tim's available for a second opinion. Like it's like you would a second opinion for a, a medical procedure, whatever procedure that might be. Because uh, I'll tell you what. Speaking of that, I, I would definitely want a second opinion. Um, you can get a hold of Tim. Tim at RaymondJames.ca. and uh, Tim's available, no cost. Have a just have a quick chat with Tim about. You know, whatever's going on in your portfolio and you're, you know, you've been doing this a long time. If somebody's all set up fine, you're going to tell them that. Yeah, absolutely. And and thankfully, tons of Humble and Fred listeners have checked in and taken advantage and become clients, great clients. Um, and in upcoming weeks, we're kind of going to revisit this a little bit because we just kind of roll it off the tongue but but it's worth thousands of dollars to get a second opinion on yes. on your plan, on your projections, on your portfolios. And maybe we don't reinforce that enough. And it can ultimately be worth the hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. over time. So, you know, that's a pretty good value for no cost, no obligation. That's money, man. Right. No, that's a really good point you make. Because I think a lot of times people think of like, should they switch to uh, the Niblet plan, the retirement Sherpa family, um, in order to uh, obviously increase their portfolio. But even just finding ways to save money within their existing portfolio, moving things around so it costs them less is invaluable. Once again, it's Tim.Niblet or RaymondJames.ca. 
And uh, by the way, we're, we're, we're very excited about our Niblet family uh, meeting today. Can you just, uh, we're not sure if we're using your Zoom or ours. Cause I, I I'll need, send you one if that's okay. Would you please? You yeah, because not, not Freddie Grayson is with Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The whole team's going to be there. The whole I mean, team. You can't get any better. Oh, I yeah. may be eating during the meeting, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I wonder I was gonna, Thanks, Tim. It's hard to looking what, forward to it. It's hard to figure what's more impressive, him eating or you know. Um anyway, <laughs> Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. And uh, as always, we'll check in with you uh, one week from today on the show and in about an hour's time after. Thank you, Timmy. Awesome, enjoying profit all. Okay, buddy, take it easy. I'm suffering here. I just gotta I, during Tim's uh the parents there, I just shut my mic off. I had like a sneezing fit. Not, I don't have a cold. I'm just having like uh, some kind of allergic reaction. Um, anyways, dude, uh, are you all caught up? No, I have one more mention. Well, this so do I. Howard. So why don't you do yours and then I'll do, uh, I'll do one uh, as well. Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Imagine uh, in the near future we'll have another visit from uh, Brett Tanner, uh, the man. Yeah, man. Uh, an update on where we're at, uh, you know, a state of the union for the Chambers plan. But it'll probably be the same year after year. They do a great job of holding the line on premiums because small business needs to have an idea what it's things are going to cost year to year obviously they often run a fine line and uh, the chambers of commerce group insurance plan it's been around 30 years 40,000 canadian businesses part of it um you know and the way it works a bunch of small businesses together uh, have the profile of a large business it makes purchasing insurance doable this is uh dental and uh prescriptions and therapies and well travel take the time today go to chambers of commerce group insurance plan chamberplan.ca chamberplan.ca is where to go get a free quote and find out how doable this is for you and your employees who will love you for having a benefits package chamber of commerce group insurance plan chamberplan.ca uh, during the uh, sherpa appearance there he mentioned mike that's mike kazarian a mortgage broker and uh, a conversation with him can save you a lot of money as well millions of canadians today uh this year this uh, next couple of years having to redo their mortgage and if you've never used a mortgage broker now's the time to figure it out mike's a, a broker owner of lender's choice mortgage an independently owned and operated member of Mortgage Alliance, license 13582. And the advantages are plenty. We've been talking about this now for a couple of weeks. Already several Humble and Fred listeners have taken advantage of this and at least have the conversation. Mike and his team have access to over 75 lenders. So the advantages are they shop around. They don't have any preferences to one lender. They work with lenders that make the most sense for you and whatever goals you're trying to achieve, which of course would be when this mortgage you have, if it's within, uh, I don't know, three or four years old, it was when it comes up for renewal, it's going to be more expensive. So make it as little, uh, make it as less expensive as you can by calling Mike and the team at Lenders Choice Mortgage, LendersChoice.ca. All right. 
There's an interesting story about the uh, Beatles. Um, I'm not sure if you saw yeah. this. Did you see that story? Yeah, Buddy Doug uh, showed me yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're um, they're going to be doing four different movies about the Beatles from from the perspective of each member of the band. And right. these are these are scripted movies. This isn't a documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, four separate feature films. And each movie taking, uh, you know, from, from each individual band member's life, set for a 2027 release. Uh, they'll be using, um, apparently they got uh, permission to use the band's uh, music. I, I, obviously, there's going to be a huge marketing campaign for the movies about John and Paul. Yeah. And... You know, I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure if they're coming out at the same time. But the ones about George and Ringo, obviously, not as won't be as uh, popular. But still interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what you mean. Ultimately, maybe more so because you don't know what the story is. There could be some very, very interesting stories behind them, maybe that we haven't heard of or don't well, know about. I, yeah, maybe. But I, I think that uh, it doesn't say here in the story that I saw whether they're coming out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this Georgie, you know, he had a pretty interesting life, as brief as as brief as it was. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is there really anything that we don't know about the Beatles by this uh, point? No, probably not. But portrayed in a movie, it uh, yeah. Who knows? Hey, speaking knows? of numbers, did you I'll see watch that? Them all. Yeah, me too. I'll watch them all. Um, you know that uh, Canada's inflation rate is down. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, 2.9. Yeah, man. That, too, is a key number. It's 2.9, but, you know, they wanted to be in the two area. So we're getting there. So when, And why this is important to the conversations we've been having with Tim and then the conversation around mortgages mm-hmm. is that the Bank of Canada had targeted, as you just said, a rate between 1% and 3%. So hopefully that will help keep some of these rates that are coming up for renewal, keep them down. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, that's one of the getting back to U.S. politics, Canadian politics. You know, one of the things about being in opposition here in Canada is all you do is all you have to do is, you know, wank about the government. But the fact is, you know, economics are cyclical. And the cycle now of, you know, growth in the economy and inflation, inflation coming down, it's always been this way. Yeah. And it's if you catch the cycle at the right time. Yeah. We've talked about this. Obama takes over in 2008 with a horrible economy just after the crash, builds it up to 2016, hands it over to Trump. It was a wonderful economy that he handed Trump. Trump, to his credit, massages it a bit. Things are fine. Then he destroys it through COVID mismanagement. And now Biden is just resurrecting it just in time for Trump to take credit again. Mm-hmm. It's it's again, if you if you catch the cycle, even Trudeau, it's like two point nine. I'm reading an article here. I'll send it to you. Surveys about millennials. They're, they're done with Trudeau. Like, it's shocking. People of that age group, millennials, poised to put their trust into pure polio. Like, how do you explain that? I think you explain it because during this current cycle, they've been pounded, so they want to blame the guy in charge. Ultimately, maybe the wrong move, but that's the mindset right now. 
That's the mindset. Well, yeah, you're right. It's um, <clears throat> picking up on the point of the uh, how ec- ec- economies move. And yeah, if you happen mm-hmm. to be in politics at the time that it's moving in the right direction, it looks like you're a genius. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking yep. of geniuses, hello, Dan. Hey. I uh, was picking up on what Fred was just saying is that it's probably time and you and I don't think there's a mechanism for this but it's probably it's like we've talked about this before about leaders staying past their best before date and that's definitely the case with Trudeau at this point he should be setting it up for someone else or should be someone else coming into the fold and uh, and mm-hmm. taking over at this point uh, and I don't know why he's not doing that well I think you'll see that I think, he, you know, his run will be at least 10 years, and that'll be enough. 10 years is long enough for anybody. I'm sure you'll see that. Plus, he's a young man. I'm sure, he, you know, he's going to make millions on the outside. Yeah. So why not? I you mean, know, you know, I've been saying dump that. Dump the stress and collect the money. I've been saying that for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. if Stephen Harper had a run, Cretchen uh, had a long run. Uh, mm-hmm. Mulroney had a long run. And sometimes... People vote like I'm not surprised by that millennial story because a lot of times people are just sick of whoever's in charge. Right. And in whether they're any good at it or not, doesn't be, it becomes less mm-hmm. important as the years go by because it's just like enough already. You know, when when it, Mulroney left, that's exactly what it was. It was like right. he's been in charge too long. The neat spin on that story is it was that age group that got Trudeau elected. They came out and voted. And now they're turning on him. Yeah, but that so, age group ain't uh, that age group anymore, though. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Well, they're still millennials. Yeah, ish, but there's like yeah, a whole yeah. new cohort of younger people that... Right. You know, did you see that? I'm, 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 we were talking about Jon Stewart, but um, I watched the entire episode of uh, John Oliver, the uh, premiere episode. You'd like it. Very, very well done. And the main thrust of it is, you know, all about Clarence Thomas and how he shouldn't be on the Supreme yeah. Court and how the Supreme Court, Dan, in the United, all, all courts in the United States have restrictions on what you can do in terms of taking gifts uh, from people, except for the Supreme Court. And anyway, I don't want to get into that, except for to say that one of the things he jokes about is term limits. For the because the Supreme Court in the states is like a senator in Canada, you know. Once you're in there, yeah. you're in there for life. But that's another thing that I've been talking about for a long time in politics in general, and in those cases particularly, where people the the, the institution would benefit by people being restricted to a term of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea that two guys in their pretty much eighty years old running for president—I mean, just it's ridiculous for many reasons so the supreme court which is so pivotal in the direction and the law of the land in the united states you want people sitting these nine people sitting there and like half of them are again could could be 80 85 90 like yeah they can be it's just not it's just not healthy yeah, this this Clarence, Tom, Clarence Thomas guy, he's been he's been dirty for so long. It's not even no funny. Sense. Yeah, it's not even oh, funny the, the stuff he's taken and the fact that his wife was you know behind the scenes of all that January six nonsense and he hasn't recru- recused himself from you know dealing with some of the stuff that's in front of him. It's ridiculous. It's awful. Well, even I remember back when I really didn't understand what was going on. Though, remember when he. 
you know, was up to become a, yeah. a, a judge. I mean, he was scrutinized because of what, you know, sexual assault or fucking all sorts of weird behavior before oh, yeah. he became a judge <laughs> and politics got him in. Yeah, and now I, here we are all these years later. The guy hasn't changed. No, it's pretty dirty. Uh, it's dirtiness. It's just the, the there was something about pubic hair and a can of Coke. Oh, I don't know. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. Look it up down at the, uh, the, I can't remember the young lady's name. But Anita she, Hill? Anita, Anita Hill, Hill came Hill. to yeah. uh, mm-hmm. came to the confirmation hearings and, you know, she was dragged through the muck. But something that came out of it was something to do with pubic hair and a can of Coke. Oh, okay, Dan. I remember that part. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. So I, up, up to date. Thank you for keeping now. me informed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now you're up to date on a story that's 35 years old. In the, in the meantime, <laughs> speaking of stories, here he is. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dandoran, the anchorman comes As for credentials, he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dandoran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Lisa's place The matrimonial home Of Mr. and Mrs. Gieberts it is our pleasure, as always, to welcome movie anchorman, television star, Daniel J. Gieber Duran III. All right, I should use uh, Jeff Lumby's echo chamber for this, but I don't have that. So here we go. Wood in space. Wood in space, space, space. Wood in space. Uh, this summer, the Japanese are putting a wooden satellite into orbit mm. to test wooden satellites in orbit. It seems that there are some woods that do really well in space and upon re-entry are cleaner and a cleaner solution as they don't live tiny, leave tiny bits of aluminum metal floating around messing up the upper atmosphere, which I know is a big concern for both of you guys. Yes. Worrying about satellite re-entry and yes, it is actually. Metal, metal floating around the atmosphere, uh, yes. screwing things up a little bit. The Lignosat probe will be built of magnolia wood, which in experiments carried out on the ISS, the International Space Station, was found to be particularly stable and res- resistant to cracking. So now plans are being finalized to launch it on a U.S. rocket this summer to test out wood in space. Oh, I can't wait to find the results. Mm, yeah. And how many how many more sleeps till we find out about wood and how it's Dan, working? Dan, will in you space? keep us posted? Let us know what Dan, the um, yeah. outcome is. Hey, oh, hey Dan, posted. could you uh, could you start like an advent calendar style thing where every day <laughs> we get an update on the treatment of wood in space? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How many how many satellites do you think that they uh, they launch a year at this point? Next 16. I don't know. 22. Hundreds. Who, who is they? Everybody combined or just... Yeah, everybody combined. Everybody combined. Okay, what is the number? Launching. It's 2,000. Oh, my goodness. 2,000 So, what, do you, what are you saying? I was off annual, with 16? <laughs> tiny bit. Tiny wow, bit. Wow, man. But there's Holy a satellite. There's a 5,000-pound satellite uh, returning to orbit. Uh, I'm returning from orbit, like crashing into the, uh, into the atmosphere and burning up and leaving all those little bits of metal in the next uh, week or so, I think. And it was the uh, a, a European Space Agency satellite. So if they launch 2,000 a year, do you know how many are actually in orbit at any time? Serious question. 
I do not personally know, but there are there are thousands and thousands of satellites in orbit right now. We'll just take a look at um, you know whatever Elon Musk's uh, satellite system for the uh, for the internet is. That's like I think they want to hit about ten thousand. Some of them are really small. I mean, they're not very big. So there are as many satellites in space as there are Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Or Tim Hortons. <laughs> Probably yeah. at this point. Holy and after a time, they, they start to, their orbits, uh, many of them, their orbits decay or on purpose mm-hmm. decay so that they they enter the atmosphere and don't leave space junk kicking around, which is another big problem up in space at the point at this point, apparently. Well, I was going to say the space junk, 2,000 a year. Like, like it's crazy. And for years, this has been going on. I know mm-hmm. space is vast, but still, that's a lot of junk. Yeah. It's a lot of junk to drive through on the way out if you're mm-hmm. at the yes, end of the to moon, avoid. for example. Yeah. There yeah. will be a day when people have cottages on the moon, so they're going to have to maneuver around this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, the traffic's bad going to Barry. Imagine going <laughs> oh, through all this shit. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. <laughs> got Yeah, yeah you got to plan three days. That's a three-day trip to get up there, right? Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, listen. Great show today. Thanks to the, uh, the Dick guy, to, uh, of course, Tim Niblett. To uh, Dan Duran, tomorrow on the program, we'll be doing your emails. As well, I have a story about a guy that thought he won a $340 million lottery, only to find out it was all a mistake. Oh. Oh. Okay, I guess we're done now. So I'm sorry. Did you know? I, I was trying to leave. <laughs> I was trying to leave us on a dramatic note. No, it seemed right, dramatic but it just the, 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 the <laughs> sentence. The and, sentence and tomorrow on the show, a man. We have your emails and a guy that thought he won a three hundred and forty million dollar lottery ticket or lottery win, only to find out it was a horrible mistake. Uh, uh, this episode Travel. of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and Lender's Choice Mortgages. For contests and comments, we read all the emails, of course. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. So tell us what you think. And something you can do help us out, help tell your friends, subscribe, maybe share an episode, rate the podcast. Any one of those would be great. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, girth is what makes the world go round. And now that you know that, enjoy every goddamn day. Place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?